I sort of have this belief that not everything needs to be a strategic business decision, mm. but all mm-hmm. my best ideas were not strategic business decisions, mm. but in hindsight, they were genius. They were yeah. the, my biggest successes were the things that I did to try to experiment, to have fun. And a lot of things I've tried haven't worked. And sometimes people ask me, well, what hasn't worked? And I'm like, I don't know, because I don't remember that. I've moved on now. Welcome back to Money Making Women. This is a podcast for anyone who wants to make more money without leaving their integrity behind. I'm Ray Dodd, a money coach and mentor, and my favorite thing in the world is seeing people who have either underestimated themselves or have been underestimated by society make more money. Thanks for joining me. Let's get into it. A massive welcome to Elizabeth Goddard. I'm so excited that you um, agreed to come and chat with me for the podcast. So Lizzie, and I loved this, I was on your website before we started chatting. Lizzie, in her own words, you sort of call um, yourself an online business strategy. <laughs> which I love the sort of in there. (laughs) I'll ask you about that in a second. And I think that description tells you so much about the brilliant way that Lizzie runs her business from your giraffe onesie in your Mm -hmm. photos to just the general way that you refuse to do certain things in line with what we're expected to do in our businesses. She is a brilliant example of doing things your own way and making it work. And so that's a lot of what I want to talk to you about today. Excellent. So can you tell everyone who's listening a bit about how you got to where you are so oh it depends how far back you want to go totally you're cool I did a theology degree Mm. and then I was elected onto my students union executive committee which is a paid sabbatical role for a year yeah so I was a trustee of a million pound students union organization I had meetings with like the VC of the uni all the time and I had a grand sense of my Mm -hmm. (laughs) self-importance at the age of 21 and that role was horrible horrible Mm. horrible like Mm. I cared so much to try and help but oh it was awful so I already had chronic fatigue syndrome and that year I also developed fibromyalgia which is chronic Mm -hmm. pain and I just ended that year like just a mess on the floor yeah so I then started a master's degree because being a student was all I knew yes so I started a master's degree And to be honest, I was just too ill to do it. Mm. Like my brain was mush. My mental health was not good. My physical health was abysmal. I was pretty much housebound almost at that time. So I dropped out of my master's and then I was on employment support allowance, disability Mm -hmm. benefits for a while. And my friend from uni had a blog. She had a blog and she used to email her list once a week. And this was just Mm. so curious to me what she was doing. And her blog was about lifestyle design. And here were all these people seemingly traveling the world, Mm. making money on their laptops. And I'm like, hang on a sec, hang on. (laughs) If they are making money from their laptops, traveling the world, if there was a way for me to make money from my laptop, from my bed, then yeah. I would be onto something. And that was kind of like my gateway into the online business world mm. and that kind of thing. I then started a business called The Pillow Fort for young people with chronic illness, all about mm-hmm. positivity and fun. And if you ever want an 
in like an audience that has no money, it is <laughs> with chronic illness. They have no money. Yeah. Which is fine. There was a digital magazine and a community and I sold physical products and I learned so much. Mm. My health had improved quite a lot by that point. So my lifelong plan B was to be a maths teacher. Um, right. They were going to give me this huge grant to go and be a maths teacher because I had a first class degree yeah. and they desperately wanted maths teachers. They didn't seem to be bothered that my first class degree was in theology, but anyway, <laughs> so I was going to go be a math teacher and I got a place on a training course mm. and I had about six months to kill before the start of this course. So I looked at my skill set. I had already invested quite a lot in group programs and trainings and I was yeah. fairly well networked. So I'm like, I'm going to be a VA for six months. I'm just going to be a VA for six months and then I'm going to go be a teacher mm -hmm. and within like two weeks I'm like this is the most amazing thing I've ever done I'm getting paid mm. to faff on the internet all day long which is exactly what I was doing before but now I'm yeah. being paid to faff on the internet and I kind of like handed it over to the universe and I'm like you let me know at some point between now and August when the course starts if I should be a VA or if I should mm. go ahead and become a teacher. And I had a tarot reading with Vix Maxwell around that time. And she said, you're going to be a teacher. I just don't think it's going to be in a school. Oh, no. Nice. And now looking back, I'm teaching all day, every day. Mm. It was spot on, but it wasn't ever going to be in a school in the traditional sense. So I was an accidentally permanent VA. I feel like most people start as a VA and then quickly morph into something else. Mm. But I was entirely the other way around. So I started as a temporary VA and then became a permanent VA. Never took up my place on the teacher training degree. Yeah. And I was a VA. I fairly quickly found clients, increased my rates a lot. Mm. And I started to specialize quite quickly in like tech. So being a more yeah. of a tech VA. And... I then became, it's a whole separate story, but I became one of the first four ConvertKit mm. certified experts. And I really lent into teaching that, providing services for ConvertKit, which helped me to like grow and scale quite a lot. And over time, I started helping clients with more strategy stuff. Like, yeah. I didn't like being given tasks to do that. I'm like, this is silly. Mm. Here's what you should do instead. I started telling my clients what to do basically. Yeah. And then I started doing more courses and trainings on broader online business stuff. Mm. And over several years, I stopped, let go of the VA clients and started doing more coaching strategy, coursey type things until I entirely stopped doing done for you work, sort of dropped yeah. the label of VA and that's kind of where we are now, to be honest. Yeah. You know my sister-in-law, who's Hannah Bullivan. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yes, yes. So I didn't know to... she was your sister-in-law. Yeah, she's married to my brother. So she was in her uni. She did a similar yes, role yeah, that you was. did. Yes, she was. She yeah, was. Yeah. We've spoken about that. Yeah. Also, similar experience, I think, yeah. as well, of like <laughs> awfulness. But yeah, I found you in your ConvertKit membership. We use ConvertKit, but which you've recently let go of. So, yes. right. So you're now exclusively doing the online strategist stuff. 
Yeah. 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 So you actually said this. There's lots I find really interesting about you, but you take a lot of courses, right? Like you oh, yeah. really love a mastermind and, and online courses. And yeah. yet one of my struggles with courses is that sometimes I can kind of outsource what I want to do to that course. So I'll be a bit like, oh, they said to do this. That's what I should do. You don't seem to do that. You seem to be so your own person or you're looking at me like, oh, I do do it a bit, right? <laughs> I do it a bit. I do it a bit. I think maybe I just do so many it would be ridiculous for Mm. me to start implementing everything everyone teaches and I think I'm also at a place with investing and such like with courses and programs that for me I am very clear that because it's it's to do with the size and scale of my business at this point Mm. but I just need one nugget I need one tiny thing that makes me think a different way or gives me an idea to try something not necessarily what they said to do but it just gets me to think a different way and then that has made it worth it when I sign up for things it's more from a place of, I think there is something for me to learn here. Yeah. And I'm only expecting that to be really, really small. Sometimes it's a lot bigger. I sign up for courses, I think, more for ideas rather yeah. than structure and like step-by-step plans. I just yes. want them to say something in an interesting way. Mm. And I'm just like, oh, that is interesting. I'm going to take that. Wonder what would happen if I put that with that and then tried this. Let's go see Mm. what happens. And I think I am whatever coach I'm currently predominantly working with or mentor Mm. I'm currently in, whoever I'm currently paying the most to (laughs) is definitely kind of the loudest. And there's definitely influences coming through. Like Mm. I can look back over different trainings I've created at different times And you can see, if you were to know, the influences. Like I was heavily working with Amanda Francis at that time or Sarah Mm. Dan or whoever it was. So it's it's more phases. I think that's how I keep it me because I very rarely sign up to something like planning to do it. Like I'm going to get out of it what I want to get out of it my way. And sometimes that is actually, I got out of it what I needed to from the launch content almost or the sales page and just observing what it was about what they did that made me sign up and even if I never log in I learned (laughs) something about myself yeah Yeah. in the process of why I chose to sign up for that I guess and so do you feel like you have quite a like loose relationship with investing in that way like because one thing like sometimes people are like I need to make sure I get what I signed up for from that course and I think like you said you can't always guarantee that that's going to happen obviously you want them to deliver what they've said and all of that stuff but you don't know that it's going to fit you or your business but for Uh, me you learn anyway it doesn't I have come to learn that the time frame for the results yes varies wildly like I was in a mastermind years ago and I still like I'm getting waves of Mm. that sinking in and integrating. And I very much try to do that with my programs being like, I want this to be an investment that keeps on giving for Mm. years to come. I also think that when I buy anything or like invest in anything, I decide my results. Mm. Yes, they have given me a list of things that you might be a result from this or results that other clients have had. Mm. But ultimately, I decide what 
result I want. Yeah. And I'm responsible for getting that result. Mm. And the result I want is a small nugget. That's all I'm looking for. Mm. I have definitely invested in things where I'm like non-negotiable. I want to make the investment back by the end of the program. And I've succeeded with that, but I love a good sales page. I love being sold to. I love sales and marketing, experiencing it Mm. on me and observing how I'm thinking, how I'm behaving and like taking that and using that. Like, I know it's all psychology and such, but I haven't ever bothered to learn the psychology. So I'm just Mm. like, I will analyze myself and how my clients behave. I just find it really interesting. I like to see when there's a course that everyone's doing, I want to see what the fuss is about and big, big programs. I want to see what's in there. I just really like seeing how different people, different levels, different schools of thought almost go about it. So I I just really interested in that. I love that. I think it's such an important perspective to hear because I certainly in my corner of the internet, there's a lot of like, you don't need another course. You don't yeah. need to do that. You don't, And I get that. And so it's okay if you also find joy in it. Like if that is yeah, something. I love, I love yeah. signing up for stuff. I love a good launch. Like mm. I give my wife like a warning that like, just a heads up, so-and-so is going to launch something next week. And I'm interested. Don't know what it is. Don't know the price point. Just going to let you know. Because we sort of have this like unofficial rule that I can spend up to about $100, £100. Don't mm-hmm. need to tell her. Don't need to ask her. Totally mm-hmm. fine. Anything over $100 or £100. I'm not asking for permission or anything yeah. like that. But like, it's a conversation. And I basically yeah. have to justify to her why <laughs> I want to buy it. And sometimes she's like that you don't and I'm just like yeah you're right I don't need that but yeah I think who was I heard Judy Stoian said that this industry this whole industry and the one thing that is kind of like an absolute for humans to the end of time is that we're going to want to keep learning yeah that is that's just a human nature yeah want to learn things yeah and when people are offering to teach me things and i love learning things why would i feel guilty about Mm. wanting to learn things, wanting to better myself. I don't like that this is the last course you'll ever need. Like all of my offers are very specific in terms of this is the scope of this. This is what Mm. this is about. And even my big six month group coaching program, the Profitable Playground, it's not everything. And it's not meant to be everything. Mm. I fully expect that a lot of people in that program will do other courses and other programs and I welcome that and I support that and I think people who demand your sole attention like you can't work with me and other coaches or you know like this is the last course you'll ever need or you didn't get the results from this so you can't allow yourself it's such a like lack mentality like an abundance let's have an abundance of ideas and learning and knowledge and growth let's not make it you know small and scarcity everything works but Mm. it's it's the person who makes it work you know absolutely and it's so interesting isn't it how often abundance fits for money but people forget about it in the other places yes like you can't work with this person there's a non-compete here there's a this there's a this there's a this it's like when people go on the one that drives me bananas is when people are on a a buying ban they put themselves on a buying ban 
that's not going to fix the problem you think you've got. It's kind of like people object to shiny object syndrome. Like people yeah. are like, oh, it's such a bad thing. And I'm just like, I embrace it. I am yeah. an absolute squirrel. I'm just mm. like, idea, idea, idea. And then you just merge it all together and yeah. something unique comes out. Whereas if you are following someone's specific strategy, like tunnel vision, you're just going to be a copy of them. Right. So I fully and embrace shiny objects. I love that. I actually have a drafted Instagram post. It's called In Praise of Shiny Objects. Interest. Yes, I have a post <laughs> on that. Did very, it was very popular. I think the things that we think of and are taught are weaknesses. Mm. I think if we learn to drop the shame around them and we embrace them, they're our strengths. And I think also like people will say, particularly shiny object syndrome, they'll be like, oh, there's this thing and I've got such bad shiny object syndrome, I can't stop thinking about it. And I'm like, if you've got an idea you can't stop thinking about, you need to pick up that idea and look at it because Definitely. it's telling you something. Mm -hmm. like, they'll be like, but if I look at it and I said this at the beginning and this whole business is here because of this conversation, I was like, but if I look at it, I'll never stop. That's really good. That is, that is, that's the that's, whole point. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. So you kind of touched on what was my next question actually. So so what are a few things you wish people understood that they don't have to do? Oh, I don't follow any of the online business rules. So I know you don't. That's what I was like, I want to hear. I'm not consistent. <laughs> mm -hmm. And I post, I posted a post about this recently. Like I've never been consistent except for consistently showing up. Yeah. So the, the people think consistency is to do with you know, the number of posts you make or the frequency on a schedule, mm. showing up and consistency in itself is more about an energy. It's mm. about consistently being a presence, holding space for your clients, your students and your audience. Like yeah. that's the consistency that's important, not emailing every Wednesday, come rain or shine till the end of yeah. time. Cause that's really just training them not to open, but that's a whole other rant. So I don't do anything consistently in the traditional sense. Mm. My emails are stuffed full of links and different things. Apparently mm -hmm. you're meant to have one thing. Otherwise people will have a meltdown in the corner if there's too many <laughs> links in an email. Confused people don't buy. And I'm just like, are you really confused by an email with multiple links in it? Like, is that really confusing to you? Because you've got bigger problems <laughs> if that is genuinely the case. Yes, that is, I mean, yeah, very true words. <laughs> and like, we all just open things in new tabs and then we go through yeah. the tabs and look at what we opened. Like it's. It's fine. We can manage. I, I love your emails like that as well. I found Sarah Dan through you actually, through one mm -hmm. of those emails. And what I love about you as well is that you're really not afraid to kind of like champion someone else. And you always say stuff like, I wouldn't share this with you if I didn't think they're great. I've learned that loads from this person, this person, and this person. And I have gone on to buy from people you've recommended yes. and buy from you, like from both things. And it's this like, again, it's that kind of scarcity thing of like, well, if I mention someone else, they never buy from me. I love, I love a good bit of affiliate marketing, but it's true. Like I wouldn't share anyone I don't mm. believe in or support. Another thing that drives me bananas is this idea that you have to focus, like focus. I don't focus in my business. Mm. I might focus for like two to three weeks, mm. but that's it. Like that's the max I can do. And there's so many people who are teaching the only way, like, you scale one offer to a million dollars and then you're allowed to think about introducing a second offer. Like yeah. this big one offer, one signature program, 
approach. I just, it works for some people, doesn't work for me. I just can't. I'm on an absolute mission to grow my slightly messy, multi-offer, multi-passionate, multi-fun business, like as big as I can take it to prove to people that you do not need one signature offer if that is like painful. It's almost painful, the idea of picking one thing to focus on. I want to talk about all the things. And in a similar way, a lot of people think about their offers in in like a funnel or a pyramid where you've got your intro offer, low price, and then the next level and next level all the way up to one-to-one. And I don't think like that at all. Like for me, it's this ecosystem or I call it my playground of all sorts of different offers that people they're all specific they're all specific Mm. offers on specific things and they all Mm. support each other yeah it's like in this web my people joke that like they come into the lizzieverse and they're like get caught in with one little thing and then because i have a client student only facebook group rather than a free one any anyone who gives me any money ever gets to join this group which is where i show up most consistently online Mm. And they just swirl around and they just buy from me again and again and everything was specific and nothing was promising this will make your business work. This will be everything. This will be the last course you ever need. Like nothing's (sighs) promising that. Yeah. I get to be creative. People get to buy from me again and again and stay in my world and learn more about my approach and such. So kind of like I'm anti-product suite in the the linear sense it's much more you know things are all at different prices like I've got loads of different things loads of different price points but Mm. they're not hierarchical yeah in the way that I think most people Mm. do it in their business gosh there's probably more but I stopped doing all calls I don't do calls anymore I have Mm -hmm. one call a week which was my profitable playground program group call on zoom everything else I do on Voxer now so I do day of Voxer, I do Voxer office hours, I do Voxer hours, I do sales conversations on Voxer, mm. like everything mm. on Voxer, which has been an absolute game changer for me because I've got two toddlers. We adopted yeah. two little girls. They are toddlers and a pandemic and toddlers and being the sole provider and no childcare. I just yeah. couldn't I couldn't be in a place at a time looking presentable. I just couldn't yeah. do it anymore. And in many ways, the pandemic was a blessing in that sense because it forced me to say I can't do calls mm. right now. I'll do calls again when the childcare comes back. And I yeah. made this big announcement to my audience that I'm postponing everything for the foreseeable mm-hmm. future. And I just am not going to bring it back because yeah. I've actually managed to grow my business in a much more aligned way. Like I can vox a clients from anywhere. And I think the, the, there's a word for it. Asynchronous. Is that the word where it's like, I don't know, know, like rather than a conversation like this, where it's back and forth, it's like set bits of time and I can respond in my own time. I can Mm. listen in my own time. I can re-listen before I reply and all of this. Okay. That's probably enough. Yeah. No, I love that. I knew (laughs) you'd have I'm kind of taught to do. I'm kind of like, I wonder what would happen if I did the opposite. Mm. Like, I wonder what would happen if 
I play this game all the time and half these ideas never come see the dark light of day. <laughs> but some of them I try. I sort of have this belief that not everything needs to be a strategic business decision. Mm. But all mm-hmm. my best ideas were not strategic business decisions. Mm. But in hindsight, they were genius. They were yeah. the, my biggest successes were the things that I did to try, to experiment, to have fun. And a lot of things I've tried haven't worked. And sometimes people ask me, well, what hasn't worked? And I'm like, I don't know, because I don't remember that. I've moved on now. (laughs) Yeah. 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 So that was one of my questions, actually. So because you are so experimental in your offerings, and I'm sure I knew the answer would be yes to this, but do you ever find they don't work? And and you might not remember now. Maybe you respond by just forgetting about them and moving on. But in the moment, are you very kind of good at being like, okay, what's next? Yeah, I just move on. I think so many business owners need to pick up the pace. Like, mm. let's let's drop the perfectionism. Let's get things out the door. Let's get real world feedback on whatever it is you are planning or suggesting mm. or doing. Like, nothing drives me more bananas than someone spending six months creating and planning this huge sprawling signature course as their very first offer. Yeah. And then it falls flat. Like, I would rather you have tried you have launched six smaller things one a month for six months one of those i'm sure will be a huge hit and you can build from there so i like pick up the pace i i I just move so fast there's this abundance of ideas and i move so fast that i don't care or dwell Mm. on things not working i'd rather consider why like when things do work look into that and analyze that rather than analyze why things don't work I think a lot of people either analyze everything or analyze what doesn't work Mm. and I'm like there's not there's not that much information in what hasn't worked like Mm. not nowhere near as much information as in what does work but you've got to try a bunch of stuff yeah and not drag it out like any single individual thing I try there's no weight on it there's no expectation Mm. on it because if this doesn't work and the next thing doesn't work well the thing after will probably work Mm. and I think when people are doing things in their business with this expectation and pressure particularly around money Mm -hmm. then it's never going to work because you're putting all the pressure on it like things that are going to work didn't need to work Mm. I think as well you touched on this earlier but the whole like have one offer scale it to a million first of all a lot of people have no business thinking about a million pounds yet (laughs) yes that is true that is true (laughs) like hang on get like scale back are you paying yourself are Mm -hmm. you like how much money are you making yep and secondly from what I've observed in that kind of world a lot of the people who have one offer they got to that one offer by experimenting with lots of different offers my clients are sick of hearing me talk about this. Sometimes that one offer is even made up of all those. So, you know, you talked about launch yes. a number of things. This is something I 100% agree with you on. I'm always saying to my clients, don't pre-create the course. Don't do the whole thing oh, yeah. beforehand. No. Because, and I, I'm not very, like, as a coach, I'm much more open to them doing it their way when I can be. But with that, I'm like, you need to know if it's going to sell before you yeah. spend months always creating pre-sell. it. Always pre-sell, I agree. But you could have created that signature offer with six different offers that you do in that time. And so that focus on one thing, one thing, one thing, one thing, while it sounds lovely, it's not where the majority of those people got to that one offer. It's not, it's not. And for every person who's at 
seven figures, multi seven figures teaching one offer, I can think of at least another person who has a bunch of offers at that level still. And I think there's a real problem in the online business world of people teaching Mm-hmm. how to do something which is entirely different to how they had their success yes. so they'll sell their success yeah. yeah like do this this is do yeah. this this works look at me I've mm-hmm. made it but what they're teaching is not really at all what they did no and so like you said like create a bunch of offers and mush them together so I have created a bunch of offers just because I wanted to, each individual thing. And over time, it was beginning of last year, I think, beginning of 2020, like for the first time I could see that they fitted together. Mm. They'd just been like these puzzle pieces. And just Mm -hmm. all of a sudden I could see what the picture was. And all it took was moving a couple of the pieces round, being like, okay, I've got a gap there still. And being able to see the bigger picture allowed me to create... The profitable playground which yeah. is my six-month program which is all about fun multi-offers all the things it is a signature thing in air quotes mm-hmm. like it's my main thing but i could never have created that until yeah. i had created that yeah that makes sense yeah. I, yeah I could never have created it until i had spent years creating mm. random mm-hmm. things just because i felt like i wanted to And then I could see the picture. What I sort of say to my clients is like, start creating things, get Mm. real world feedback. Do you feel like it's working? If you feel Mm. like it's working, keep going. If it's not working at all, we need to relook. And Mm. eventually when it's sort of working and you've sort of got a bit of momentum, a few years, and it does take years down the line, you will start to be able to see the picture. And if you yeah. can see the picture, then you can more consciously create towards mm. that picture. So I feel like I'm pretty much there with all the puzzle pieces for my picture now, which is, it feels almost like my body of work mm. and that might grow and expand in future, but I don't need to constantly be creating in quite the same way because I've got nearly all the bits but that is from years and years and years of creating and trying and it would yeah. be so inauthentic for me to now turn around and be like here's how yeah you create a six-month program like the profitable playground it would be so inauthentic for me to say and teach that what yeah. I'm actually teaching in the profitable playground is how people can go on their own journey to creating yeah. their own yeah. playground of different offers yeah which at some point they might go, oh, look, that all fits together. Or, oh God, I just really love that bit. I'm going to focus in on that bit. There's so many different ways that you can do it. So at the end of each episode, I always ask people some quick fire questions. Mm, okay. Anna, because Ella Brenny Brown, I totally stole it from her. Not the questions. I made up my own questions, but the concept. <laughs> <laughs> so there's a couple, like the first one. So first of all, thank you. I love the what stuff you went through. That was so funny because there were so many questions. I was like, oh, she's answered that question. <laughs> yeah, answered that question. So I got my so- talking points down. <laughs> <laughs> I loved it because you just moved through exactly yeah. what I wanted to ask about, which is amazing. So yeah, we're going to do some quick fire questions. The first one's a sentence to finish. So can you finish this sentence for me? Money is fun. Nice. Love that. I wonder if you're more of a courses person or a books person as well, but what's your favorite book you've read recently? 
business fiction recipe book don't mind oh i'm a book starter not a book finisher <laughs> i think it's called rich as fuck i think that's what it's called um nice. that's what i'm currently reading it's nice yeah. And who was that by, sorry? Amanda Francis. Amanda Francis. The impact of more people who traditionally haven't made money making money is... What is going to progress and benefit everyone? Yeah, I love that answer. This is a slight change of pace. If you could (laughs) eat one thing for the rest of your life... Probably roast dinners, vegan roast dinners. Yes, nice. Best bit of money or business advice that you've ever been given or I always say this you can remember when you are coaching people or supporting people you don't need to know what you're going to say mm. next yes yes there's always a hold question on to that to one asked. yeah totally <laughs> it's so true that's such a good one I love that yeah. thank you so much that was brilliant I absolutely love that I was I was sort of like oh my god this is all such good stuff I'm so glad people get to hear you talking about this and yeah Thank you very much for coming Thank on Thank you so much for having me. It's been really, really fun. Can you tell people where they can find you? Oh, yeah. So elizabethgoddard.co.uk is my site forward slash pod. P-O-D mm-hmm. is a smaller selection of the multitude of links that exist in my world. And I'm also on Instagram at elizabethgoddard underscore UK. Nice. Thank you for listening to this episode of Money Making Women. If you've been enjoying the podcast, I'd be so grateful if you'd share about it on Instagram or if you could kindly leave a review. Both of those things are really amazing ways to support what we're talking about here. And you can, of course, find me on Instagram. I'm Ray underscore Dodd. And also in my free Facebook group, which is called Money Making Women. I'll see you next time. (laughs) 